I am so proud of you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Because you realized you were trying to outdo mom. Yeah. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 239 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Yep, this is the end, y'all. David. (laughs) It's the end of the year. (laughs) It's the last podcast of this year. That's right. Are you excited, David? I am. I'm excited for a 2024. I'm excited for the new year, too. What makes you excited for the new year? 2023 has just been wonky. <laughs> just, I don't know. It just seems like the year flew by. I didn't accomplish some of the things I had thought I would, which is okay. I'm not beating myself up over that. But I'm looking forward to the new year kind of as a new start. And a new Lori. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> like a reset. Yeah, a reset. Here's a question, though. Why does, why does it take a year for people to do this reset? Like, wh- why don't we... Start it in June? Well, no, just like, why don't we have a quarterly reset? Like in business, there's quarterly resets, basically. You know, you got Q1, Q2, 3, 4. Because it's a new calendar. It's, you know, the baby New Year movie. <laughs> I mean, I, I get all that. I'm just saying it's it's almost like some people get through the half the year and like, I just can't wait for the next year. Like, why do you have to wait? Oh, yeah, no. I'm not, I'm not like that. I didn't think about this till the other day. <laughs> okay. I was just wondering if, you know, what people think about the, the whole resetting thing. Because I know a lot of people look at this like, you know, I'm going to get in shape in the new year. I'm going to lose weight in the new year. I'm going to get on a budget in the new year. I'm going to get a new job in the new year. It's all these things get tied to the new year. Like, why not? Why not now? Like, whenever whenever now is. If now is in June or April or whatever, just do it. Well, I know me saying, I'm going to start my diet on Monday, did not happen for 52 <laughs> weeks of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I think you said that every Saturday. <laughs> I know, I know. But you and I both are sad to admit that we are not very active, and we need to change that. Yeah, the uh, it all started with COVID, as as with many people in things they have to talk about. It's like because the lifestyle for everybody changed, or for many people anyway. For us. Lifestyle changed a lot because I went from working home full time, which I did before I was only working from home like one day a week. So then I worked, went to working full time. Um, Jackson was here all the time. Right. Jackson was here all the time doing school, which, and now he's here still most of the time with school because he's in college and you can do the online learning. But because of all these things, the, the ease of working has caused us to, I think, be more mm, sedimentary. Is that good? Yep. But also, with the daylight savings time, or whatever it is, at 5.30, I'm ready to go to bed. 
Because <laughs> it's dark. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. So with, with all that, you and I both know, and I think part of the book, too, kind of digressed in a bit, was I went and had a blood panel done recently. And everything was good, but one thing was a little bit elevated, and it was my triglycerides. <laughs> and so I looked it up, and I was like, how do I lower my triglycerides? And it was like, eat healthy and move more. And I'm like, oh, well, I didn't need to look that up. I knew that. <laughs> Does that have to do with your cholesterol? Uh, I, I probably. I don't know. Because, um, you know, a lot of that is more genetic than anything. Just saying. Yeah, could be. But I've never had any issues before. The fact that I do sit down a lot more than I used to. I think the other day you and I were talking and I said, you know, out of a, a 16 or hour day, I'm probably sitting down 14 of those hours, if not mm-hmm. more, and, which is terrible. And yeah, you can get by with that for a short period of time, a year or two, whatever, but eventually it's going to catch up to you. And I, I'm trying to head that off because <laughs> I think the catching up to me is going to be sooner than later. So yeah, I got to make some changes. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to make those changes with you. However, I've also come to the conclusion that if you're not going to do it or you don't want to do it or whatever, I have to do it anyway. Yeah. Because I, I can't tie that to you because I've done that before. Like, yeah, I'll work out whenever you're ready. And that's kind of been my excuse to not work out because I know that you're probably not going to do it either. Well, <laughs> we can't do it at lunchtime because usually I'm podcast recording. And so our schedules don't match, too. Mm-hmm. And. Back in the day, we would exercise when we came home from work. Right. We both had, quote, unquote, normal jobs. Right. Where the day ended at five. Yeah. Yeah. For all of you who don't know, if you open up your own business, start your own business, there is no nine to five. (laughs) Nope. It's (laughs) 24-7. As we were recording this on Christmas Day. (laughs) Yep. At uh, 8, 12 p.m. on Christmas Day, we're working. Yeah. So triglycerides and cholesterol are different types of lipids that circulate in your blood. Triglycerides store unused calories and provide your body with energy. Cholesterol is used to build cells in certain hormones, or hormones as David would say. (laughs) Then it says triglycerides are a type of fat, lipid, found in your blood. You got fatty blood, David. So they're supposed to give me energy. I don't have enough triglycerides then because I ain't got any energy. When you eat, your body converts any calories it doesn't need to use right away into triglycerides. Because I'm sitting down too much, and it's like, you don't need this. (laughs) You're not doing nothing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the sitting on your butt triglyceride. That's it. (laughs) Yeah, I got plenty of that. Yep. Got to get off my butt this year. That's my that's my resolution, if I believed in resolutions, would be to get off my butt this year. Yeah, if I believed in them too, mine would be to get off my butt this year <laughs> and to have no expectations. <laughs> of getting off your butt. <laughs> <laughs> nope, just no expectations. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And to quit... Quit allowing myself to be guilted into helping unappreciative people. Mm. 
Okay. Yep. Because I'll think, oh, but my love language is acts of service, well, giving and receiving. It gets you in trouble. It gets you in trouble. <laughs> but if you don't have expectations, it's okay. But at the same time, people will take advantage of you. And I have to become more aware of those that I am allowing to take advantage of me. That is true. There we go. Yep. Sometimes it's not what happens to you is what you allow happen to you. Exactly. Or how you allow it to affect you. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. So as we are recording this, as we said, it is Christmas Day. That means... That you only have dum, da, 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 two days. Well, three days. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on when you're listening to this, you have until December 31st at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Daylight Savings, whatever time, <laughs> <laughs> to take advantage of. One of five, only five, lifetime memberships. Yeah. The caveat is they may be sold out by the time this airs. They so may be. All I can say is if you see the um, the little heading on the website, if you see that, then they're still available. If you don't see it, then it's well, gone. You, you didn't let me finish telling them what it is. Okay. We'll tell them what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so there are five lifetime memberships available. For the Nacho Kids Academy. And we did this because we know that we still have things that come up that we have to use the tools that we learned 11 years ago. Mm -hmm. And we also see people join the academy for, say, six months, and they leave. And a year later, they're like, uh, I'm coming back. Yeah, I need help. Things have changed. I need a refresher. So we wanted to give five lucky people the opportunity to join the Nacho Kids Academy lifetime membership for the cost of three years of the Nacho Kids Academy. Yeah. And that ends after all five are gone or December 31st at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time Zone. Now. That's all we're going to say about that, but we are going to tell you about our guest today. Our guest today is stepmom Tiffany. She grew up in a blended family. She's been blending for seven years, has six kids, slash stepkids, and five grandkids. Mm. House full. Yep. Her kids are from two different bio dads, and they had them full-time. Neither dad is involved. Oh, man. The stepkids, which there are four of, have three different bio moms. God, man, that is a lot of people. And they would have them Wednesday through Friday and every other weekend. So I know you that you probably went into this during the interview, but that has to be a logistical challenge. <laughs> to deal with all those different families. Well, the thing is, the stepkids are older. Yeah. So the stepkids now 
are 32, 26, 25, and 13. So they're only really dealing with the 13-year-old's bio mom. Right. But there, you know, there's still those challenges, though. Oh, yeah. They're there. Yep. All right. So that's all I'm going to tell you. Okay. I'm, I want to hear this. Let's go. Today, we have stepmom Tiffany. Hey, Tiffany. How are you? Hey, Lori. I'm doing great. How about yourself? Good. Thanks for being a guest. Yes. Thank you for having me. So tell us about you. So I am 41. I live in Columbus, Ohio, and I've been blending a family for seven years with my fiance. We have six children between us and now five grandchildren. So there's a lot of moving parts and pieces over here in our family. Wow. So how old are your stepkids? So they range from 32 down to 13. So we have 32, 26, 25, and then 13. And then I have two biological children that are 19 and 14. Wow. What a gap between the 32 and 13 year old. Yes. Yes. I I snagged myself an older man. So (laughs) we have have quite an array of children there in terms of ages. Are his kids from the same mom? No, there are actually three different mothers in the picture, but really just one that primarily we interact with, and that's 13-year-olds, given that the others are adults now. So, Right. When you came in the picture seven years ago, eight years Mm -hmm. ago, whatever it was, the oldest three, of course, were close to adults, if not already adults. Yes. 17, 18, 18, 19, somewhere around there. Um, were, was was the youngest of the adult children. So, yeah, three of them are already near adulthood. Was the one that was 18, 17, were they are still living in the home? Um, no, I mean, they lived with their mother. They were still in their last year of high school. Okay. Yeah, so so we... We didn't have much of the blending at, at first. Um, eventually, the 18 and 19-year-old moved uh, into my home in Indianapolis, where my partner and I kind of established a home at the time, and they needed a space to kind of just reset, and so they did end up moving in pretty quickly. Okay. Now, the youngest stick kid, mm-hmm. how often do y'all have her? So it's Wednesday through Friday and then every other weekend. So a 50% split. Okay. Rather than week on, week off. Correct. Yeah. And what about your kids? How often do you have them? I have them full time. So my children have two different biological fathers. The oldest one's father has never been involved from the beginning. And then... The second one, I married her father and had her, and we've been divorced. He does not have any custody and is not a part of her life any longer. So I have them full time. That always makes me sad. Yeah. You know, I struggled with that a lot in the beginning because I I think we all have an idea of how our family is going to be when we grow up and get married and have kids, you know, sort of this idealized version um, and for me in particular, I grew up in a blended family. So I I was determined that my life was going to be very different when I had a family. And um, unfortunately, things don't always go to expectation. But I, I did eventually come to the point of accepting that you know, both of these uh, biological fathers that would have been a part of my kids' lives 
are not really great examples. And I've, you know, come to accept that there may be more harm than good if they were a part of the children's lives. And it's, it's taken a long time to really kind of process through that and accept that. I completely understand that. You know, it's funny because as soon as I said that, that makes me sad. As soon as I said it, I thought, but sometimes it's for the best. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely was. The first marriage was abusive and, you know, he has other children as well that he's kind of in and out of. And I'm close to those stepchildren still. Um, And it, it really took a toll on them mentally and emotionally. And I'm sure it takes a toll on my daughter as well, not having, you know, wondering why the dynamic is what it is. But I also know that him being present would create a lot of chaos and and havoc and it's likely for the best. So, yeah. So you mentioned that you were, you grew up in a blended family. Yes. Tell us about that. Yeah. So Before the blended family, I grew up in a very religious household where divorce was very taboo. People just Mm -hmm. didn't get divorced. And my father was a preacher on top of that, a pastor. So when you're a a preacher's kid. (laughs) Yes, yes. And so um, when my parents got divorced at the age of 12, it was very taboo at the time and not really accepted in our social circle. Uh, Mm -hmm. Church was a very big part of our lives. And it was very confusing for me because I had always been taught that this was a no-no. And now, you know, here my my parents were getting divorced. My dad jumped into a relationship pretty quickly. He got married within the first year of being divorced. And his wife had three young children, uh, two, three, and five at the time. Mm-hmm. My brother and I were 12 and eight. And my mom went through quite a few relationships, a couple of marriages, many of them with kids. And just for background, my mom grew up in a very abusive home. She was adopted by a family member and was raised with her cousins as siblings. And it was really like your Cinderella type of story without the Prince Charming and the happy ending. And so- I watched my mom as she would get into these relationships with people that had children. She really poured a lot into those stepkids, buying Mm -hmm. them things, making sure they had a home, a a room that was comfortable, making sure they felt welcomed. I really saw her, you know, now kind of what I would say is overextending herself. I think to make up for the way that she felt as a child feeling like an outcast and and feeling not accepted. And I really admired that <laughs> on my dad's side. You know, he jumped really quickly into the relationship. And uh, my step-siblings, they had a, a lot of, you know, emotional needs that kind of needed tended to. And things were very chaotic at that home. And I felt as a child that my dad just kind of dove into that family. And my brother and I were just kind of on the sidelines, forgotten. Crazy story is we actually, my father actually purchased the home from my mother that we had all been living in as a family before they got divorced. So my mom moved out of that home. He purchased the home. He moved into it with my stepmom and her kids. And the stepkids took over all of our old bedrooms 
And my brother and I had to sleep on the couch on a pullout bed. What? Yes. And so it was really, you know, this strong feeling of being sort of displaced because here we are living in a home that we had lived in as a biological family. And now we have no bedrooms. They've been given to our new step siblings. And here we are on the pullout couch when we come over for visitation twice a week and every other weekend. That's kind of a slap in the face. It really was. It really was. I felt like you know, my dad was so invested in taking care of that new family and we were just really on the sidelines. And so between my two parents, that left quite an impression on me. I, you know, I thought I would get married one time, have a family, that would be that. I never foresaw myself in a blended family situation. But when I arrived upon that path in life in which I did have a blended family, you know, I remembered those feelings of feeling sort of secondhand to my own parent. Um, yeah. And also seeing my mom give so much to, to the kids who, whose lives that she was a part of. And, you know, so I thought to myself, I'm going to create this really warm and welcoming environment for my stepkids. And it's going to be love and joy. And they're going to feel so safe here. You know, it was this very idealized version of what a blended family. uh, Right. But not at the detriment of your kids. Not at the detriment of my kids. No, but just sort of, we're all going to be happy all together. And, you know, as long as I provide love in a safe place, we're all going to feel good. And, you know, I'm going to make sure that they never felt like the way I felt growing up. Now you felt that way mostly with your dad, right? Yeah. I mean, for my mom, I did feel like she chose relationships over us. You know, she would bounce from one to the other, but I never felt a competition with my step siblings on her side, mostly on my dad's side. And and I felt that there were very different rules for my step siblings on my dad's side than for my brother and I. Yeah. Now, with your mom pouring all this love and attention into the stepkids, mm-hmm. we I get it because she's trying to build relationships with them. She already had a relationship with you and your brother, right? But did you ever feel kind of jealous of the attention and love that she showed these other kids? Not so much jealous, but it did confuse me that it felt like she was forcing a closeness really fast. And that was a little confusing, you know, Mm -hmm. we're all supposed to just be a a family really quick. And (laughs) it takes time, of course, to build trust and relationships. Right. And there was a pretty good age gap between you and your dad's new wife's kids. Yeah. Yeah, my my stepmom was significantly younger than my dad, and those kids were younger. And they were together for 20 years, and it was very tumultuous growing up in that home. It was a lot of chaos. Did you have any relationship with those step-siblings through your dad's side? I did growing up, and then as I got to be older, we parted ways. There were substance abuse issues and other things going on. Just recently in the past few years, I've reconnected with my stepsister and we have an evolving relationship as adults, but 
that's about it. And I, I no longer speak to my stepmom from that relationship. But her and your dad are split up. Yes. Yeah. They've been divorced for a couple of years. And he's not remarried. Nope. What about your relationship with him? That has been difficult as well. You know, there was a lot of resentment feeling like he chose another family over us. And yeah, out, out with the old and with the new. Yeah. Yeah. And and I understand maybe it was his way of, you know, dealing with his own hurt of, of my mom divorcing him. Not that that makes it right, but, you know, I just kind of dove into another project, so to speak. And mm-hmm. maybe he felt needed, perhaps. Uh, I think there's been a lot of codependency issues on both sides of my family. And yeah, I we went through a lot with my mom. We moved a lot. She went through a lot of relationships. God bless her. She did the best she could. But, you know, it was sort of like we were really struggling out there. And he was so focused on his other family that it, it was really painful. And it was painful to see, to feel the double standards of, you know, two different sets of rules for, for different kids. And that created in me a desire for fairness. And I think we talked a little bit about it on one of your Instagram posts. We went back and forth about how, you know, fair is not really a thing in blended families and life is not fair in general, but uh, my desire to have fairness amongst my biological kids and my stepkids, I think comes from that root of feeling like things were so unfair growing up that I wanted to create this sort of even playing field when I got to have my own blended family. As in your family with your dad, things weren't fair. Did you feel like you had higher standards? You got punished more. You had more responsibilities, things like that. Yes, all of the above. Um, Also, I was the oldest kid out of all of the children. And I think, you know, older kids maybe get put through the ringer a little bit more, the first kid, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of rules, and they get more lax as you get to the the youngest kid. (laughs) Yeah, because you're tired. (laughs) Yeah, you see a lot of jokes and memes about that out there. But yes, you know, there were behaviors that were very troublesome from my step-siblings. It could have been drinking at a young age, sex at a young age, not coming home, stealing, things of that nature, pretty big deals. you know. And then I ended up getting kicked out of the house for something else that was very minor. And there was a lot more expected from me in terms of school, in terms of responsibility, in terms of work. And those expectations weren't held for my younger siblings. And my step siblings. So, yes, I felt all of those things. Now, I grew up in a nuclear family. Mm -hmm. And my parents had different expectations for us. Yes. And so, for instance, school was easy for me. My older sister, not so much. Mm -hmm. So, Dawn would come home and she would make a C. And they'd be like, oh, good job. Good job. We're so proud of you. And I would come home with a 95 on a test, and it was, did you not study? Right. <laughs> and I never really understood it growing up. I'm like, this that's just crap. Why are y'all so hard on me versus her? Right. <laughs> but the older you get, you realize she struggled with school. Yeah. It wasn't, quote, quote, fair to have those expectations of her. Right. 
And I realized some of that growing older as well. You're exactly right. You kind of see it from the other side of the fence as a parent. Yeah. And also, I know my younger sister, she did really good in school too, but she was the baby. And I remember probably being 10 and maybe a little bit older. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling my mom, you don't make Courtney do anything and you're going to regret that. She's going to live with you forever. Mm. Guess what? My sister is 45 years old and still lives with my dad. Oh, yeah. And she's married. Wow. Yeah. So you called it. <laughs> I called it. <laughs> but it was because they never did that with her. But on the flip side, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm older than you are. But my dad, he was kind of the. He was at work. He didn't really get much into the discipline. He never spanked us, anything like that. It was all mom. Mom was the heavy. Mm-hmm. When you came home from school, you had chores. She could care less about your homework. She told you to do your chores first, and then you do your homework. And I remember one time asking her to help me study for a spelling test. And she said, I don't have time for you. I have two other kids. You need to figure it out. Mm. And of course, now I'm like, that was crappy. She could have said something better. But I did figure it out. I took my little cassette recorder and I would say the words and leave time for me to write it and then spell it. And so that's how I would study for my spelling test. But I also can say, as I'm older, I know why my mom was like that. Because my dad didn't help her with stuff. Right. She had to do everything regarding the kids. Yeah. But she put put a bunch of it on us. At eight years old, I was ironing my dad's um, lab jackets. Hear of kids doing that today, and it's child abuse. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and I think you look back on some of those things. That I resonate with what you're saying and, and having a lot of responsibility and having to be resourceful and figure it out. And you look back on it now, at least for me, and I, I'm grateful. I am a resourceful adult. I can be very resilient and bounce back from certain situations. And I think having to be responsible and having high expectations for me probably helped me become that way. You know, but as a kid, you view it much differently. Yes, because you don't understand that. Correct. You you have a good point. And I feel like that the way that I was raised also made me independent. Mm-hmm. And David and I talk about this. I don't need him. I want him in my life. Right. I, I can take care of myself. And I wouldn't be that be that way if it wasn't for the way that my parents raised me. Right. And I remember when I graduated high school, some friends of mine got a new car. One of them got like a 1967 Mustang. Yeah, I was jealous. I got a hope chest. <laughs> <laughs> but everything I have, I work my butt off for. Yeah, right. And you appreciated it, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I remember my mom got our school clothes one year and I didn't like them. And so she took them back and she said, if you want clothes, you'll find a way to buy them. So I started cutting grass around the neighborhood when I was 13. And that's how I bought my school clothes. That's awesome. Well, it, it teaches you, like like we said at the time, you don't understand. You think, oh, my mom's just a you know what. But then when we get older, we're kind of appreciative of those things. Right. And it's the same that goes with discipline. With David's kids, he couldn't discipline all the kids the same because different things affected the kids differently. Right. 
So you wanted things to be fair. Mm-hmm. And I get that 100% because of what you went through. Right. And not having no experience in, in blending a family. And also my own biological children were still pretty young. And they had differences between them, but they weren't so contrasting at the time that I really understood that different kids have different needs, even within a biological family. As my own biological children have gotten older, you know, it's the same type of thing. I have one kid who really excels in school and is self-motivated. I have another one that struggles with ADHD and school is the least of their concerns. They have different personalities and different motivators and, you know, Mm -hmm. you have to approach them differently. But at the time, coming into a blended family, you know, I was carrying a lot of my own baggage from growing up in a blended family. and Trauma. It was trauma. Yeah, it was very traumatic. And, you know, I sort of had this sort of fairy tale version of how it was going to be and how I was going to do it. And in the end. That- and how did that work out for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, Lori, I think you probably know the answer. So <laughs> It came to the point of, you know, me having a lot of resentment and feeling really out of control. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, simultaneously trying to force more control upon the situation to try to craft it into this thing that I wanted it to be. And I remember coming across your content and I was like, wow, this is a really different way to think about it. And it kind of is making me mad when I read this stuff, you know, it was a little tricky. Good. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, so maybe I should just sit with it. You know, it was causing conflict between my partner and I, I felt like there was tension between my youngest stepdaughter and I, um, not so much the adult kids, you know, that's kind of said and done. Uh, but, yeah, because you weren't trying to parent them. Yeah, I mean, there there were some times, you know, especially when we had them living here, that there was there was conflict. Not having the older kids do as many chores as the younger kids were expected to do. You know, we so, so my partner and I would we would have arguments about that, and yes, yeah, so this whole idea of fairness and this whole sort of lovey dovey blended family where everything's great, and if I just give enough love and enough effort and make sure everyone has a nice room and we all have the same amount of things. It's just going to be great. It did not work. It failed miserably. (laughs) Yeah. And that's so hard. It's hard. It was, it was letting go of an ideal that I'd carried for a long time. And it forced me to reconcile some, some grief within myself about my own upbringing and to face sort of the nuances of parenting. And I think I've, I've seen you say it in your content, but even biological or nuclear families, you know, parents don't always agree on how to raise children. (laughs) There's yeah, but the difference is the kid can't threaten to go live with the other parent. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, once I accepted that, it's like, you know, even if these were all of our kids, because we have no our kids, we have yours kids, your kids and my kids, uh, we have no our kids. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, well, if we just had an our kid, it would, it would level the playing field a little bit. <laughs> but I came to accept that, you know, even in biological families, nuclear families, parents aren't always on the same page. People see things differently and children have to be parented differently sometimes. and. That helped me to, to be able to let go of this sort of 
fairness thing that I was holding in my head. Yeah. And it's like you said, nobody wakes up and says, I want to be a stepmom when I grow up. Yeah. And <laughs> we honestly have to grieve the loss of the nuclear family that we thought we would have. Yes. And if we try to force the nuclear family, we are, it, it's, it's useless. Yes, you're so right. There's there's a lot of grieving of of ideas that we think are going to come to fruition and they don't. And accepting what is and being able to work with that. I think, you know, once I let go of what I thought it should be, it's mm-hmm. much, much easier to embrace what it can be. And it looks and feels different than I thought, but that doesn't make it bad or wrong. Right, right. And I always say that expectations negate appreciation. But expectations also prevent you from being happy about the present. So true. I know we're going to do a course on expectations in the academy because even more so lately, I keep seeing where expectations are what's kind of at the root of a lot of these struggles. And I joke and say you shouldn't have any expectations in a blend, but I'm kind of not joking when I say it because you can't. Right. You can have expectations that your husband's going to be on your side, but then when it comes to it, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place when little Johnny's saying that you said blah, 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 and you're saying, no, I didn't. He's like, well, who do I call a liar, my kid or my spouse? Right. It's hard. Yeah, they can't win. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of times, it's not lies, it's perception. Right. It's subjective. Yes. Realities, right? We all have a different perception based on our filters and what we've been through. Exactly. I think, too, with expectations, you know, there's that saying that unmet expectations breed resentment. Yes. When we have those and they don't get met, it's just fuel for the fire. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it does. It's like, I see this all the time and it breaks my heart, especially Mother's Day. You've got all these stepmoms. They may not have biological kids, but they're so disappointed on Mother's Day. Yeah. Well, first of all, a lot of them don't convey what they want or their expectations to their partner, but then they're disappointed. Right. And a long time ago, I don't even remember when it was. It was probably 25, maybe even 30 years ago. I decided, now this is way before the blend. I decided I was going to start getting my own birthday cake because, you know, after I moved out, my parents didn't get me a birthday cake and I wanted a birthday cake. So every year I still go get my own birthday cake. That's awesome. I'm never disappointed. Right. You're providing love for yourself. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I realized I can create my own happiness rather than putting these expectations on somebody else because sometimes it's not fair for us to put those expectations on others. Right. Now, David, he would go get me a birthday cake if he knew I wouldn't go get it myself. But he knows I'm going to do it myself. So he's like, okay, (laughs) he doesn't care. But he's also the kind of person he doesn't care if he gets a birthday cake. Right. Yeah, my partner's the same way. (laughs) Yeah, but for me, I want a cake. 
that I want that sugar ice and that makes your face just contort when you do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually called the other day to place an order for my birthday cake. And the lady said, and what's the name on it? And I told her and she said, you're getting your own birthday cake. I said, yes, ma'am. Yes, I am. <laughs> she said, you go, girl. <laughs> When's your birthday? Actually, tomorrow. Oh, awesome. Happy early birthday. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Hope you enjoy that sugary cake. <laughs> yes, yes. David surprised me with a surprise birthday party with some um, of my childhood friends this past weekend, and it was great. That's awesome. It was. I don't even know how he pulled it off, but he did great. I was really shocked, and my dad was there, and my dad, he's older, of course, and he doesn't go out after dark, and he was there, and it was dark, and I'm like, you're here, and it's dark. <laughs> So it was just great. But, you know, it's one of those things where I never expected that, of course. Right. And so it was just, it was great. But I've also, come Christmas, I buy myself stuff. And I tell David, if you want me to wrap it and give it to me from you, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know what I like. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because he wouldn't pick out the right free bird boots. I mean, come on. (laughs) Right. You know, going back to your expectations thing, I, and Mother's Day in particular, you know, I've, I've been fortunate that my stepkids have always, you know, wished me a happy Mother's Day. But one of the things I really struggled with, and I think it goes with the expectations is, and, and this is egotistical of me to say, but, you know, they, they've gone through a lot with their own biological mothers. And I sort of saw myself as being better. And, you know, I'm I'm bringing more stability, more safety, more consistency to their lives, being there for them in hard times when their own biological mothers have have not been or have been Mm -hmm. the cause of some of the problems. And, you know, then when it's all said and done as a stepmom, you you don't always feel the appreciation for that. Yeah. And, you know, that was that was painful for me. And part of it was from my own ego. I wanted them to see me as being better. And I had to kind of reconcile that the driver for me was not just helping them, but wanting to kind of one up (laughs) the biological parent and, and realizing that that wasn't a healthy approach. Yeah. And then also understanding that I think we all have this innate desire to be close to our biological parents. And, and, you know, you've said in your, in your content that they already have a parent yeah and that desire for a close relationship with their biological parent is always going to be there. Even if you've done a ton for them as a step parent, even if you've stood in the gap and filled in the places where their biological parent didn't have the capacity and, and, and that's hard to accept. It's like, you know, why? Why would you want to go spend Mother's Day with with your biological mom who's been abusive to you, you know? And I've right. I you heal from that, you know? But when you come to accept kind of the, the nature of humanity and the desire that all of us have to kind of be close to our biological parent, I've gone through it with my own parents' shortcomings. You know, I still want to be close to my dad or have, feel like I have a dad and a mom to rely on. Mm-hmm. 
And so letting go of those expectations that somehow I'm going to be the number one or that I'm going to replace the parent that they have or that they're going to see all of the value that I've brought to their lives, letting go of those things has helped me let go of resentment and, you know, being okay with knowing the effort that I've given, whether it's appreciated or not, has been helpful for me. I am so proud of you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Because you realized you were trying to outdo mom. Yeah. You wanted to outshine her. You wanted to give them the love and everything that she couldn't or didn't, but it didn't matter. Right. And a lot of step-parents don't realize that that's what they're trying to do. And we, too, as step-parents, often see the shortcomings of the bio-parents. And we're thinking, well, did you not remember the time she promised you this and she didn't do it? Right. Because because it bothered us. But they let it go 10 years ago. Right. Exactly. The same thing with if our stepkids are mean to our spouses. We're still mad at the stepkids. And we don't understand why the spouse has forgiven them so easily. Right. It's because of those biological bonds. Yeah. And accepting that too, uh, going back to the fairness thing, you know, I thought, oh, we can all love everyone equally. And that's just not realistic. Right. You know, I, I, I grew my own children in my womb. (laughs) I brought them. I was with them for however many years before I met my partner. My partner was with his kids for however many years before he met me. And you have biological similarities to your kids and personality and, you have dynamics and traditions that are there, and there's just no way to to replicate that and make it so that we all love each other equally. And, you know, that came from the fear of not wanting my kids or my stepkids to feel the way I felt growing up, that I right. wasn't as important to my stepmom as her kids and, you know... Yeah, kind of second rate. And then when you realize it's coming from a place of fear and it's not really realistic, you can kind of shift that around and accept the reality of humanity again, Mm -hmm. um, that I'm always going to be closer to my biological kids. My partner is going to be closer to his biological kids. And it doesn't mean that anyone is mean or malicious or unkind. It's just the nature of things. Right. And I love my stepkids now, but it's completely different than I love my own kid. Right. Now, let me ask you this. Yeah. And I want you to be honest. Mm-hmm. Not that you would lie, but just say. Yeah. <laughs> you might need to think about it for a second. Okay. You've got a son and a daughter, correct? Mm-hmm. Do you love them exactly the same? No. Boom, I, I've yeah. come to terms with that already in the past two years. And see, and that's Okay. But most parents aren't honest enough to say that that's true. And then that's that whole stigma of you got to love the stepkids the same. You don't even love your own bio kids the same. Right. And again, it's not that you don't love them. It's a different kind of love. Right. And see, I only have one son. So I can't say that I, you know, have that same feeling. But I also know I'm closer to my dad than my other sisters. So... If you ask him, I'm the favorite. Mm. He has no qualms about it. But I wasn't my mom's favorite. 
And it's not that either one of them said when I was born, she's going to be my favorite or she's not going to be my favorite. You have different connections with people and it's okay. Right. I, uh, you know, I'm a big psychology fan and I, I understand that we sort of naturally gravitate towards people that we feel are most similar to us mm-hmm. in outside settings. And I realize with my own kids, it feels easier to parent the kid that I feel is more like me. We share things in common and it's sort of like there's not a lot of work that has to go into understanding that kid because they operate so much like me that I feel like, oh, we're two peas in a pod. Right. And you feel like they'll understand the discipline better. Yes. Yes. And then the one who doesn't operate as much like me, it's kind of, there's a lot more work and effort. And I wouldn't say I love one less than the other, but it's easier to naturally feel closer to the one who is most similar to my own personality traits. Right. Now, I know you've heard about guilty parent syndrome. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you have guilty parent syndrome when it comes to the fact that your kids don't have their bio dads in the picture? Yes. Yeah. And it's hard. Yeah, I struggled with that a lot. I felt like it was my fault. You know, I I picked bad partners and I've put my kids in this situation. And, you know, in the blended family, it also causes weird dynamics because my kids don't have another father. They see their stepdad as their only dad. And my stepchildren have their other biological mothers, you know, so there's Mm -hmm. sort of a different dynamic between the sets of kids as well. Right. And also, and I don't know if you and your husband have talked about this or if you've ever thought about it, but you have your kids all the time. Yes. And and he doesn't have his all the time. Yes. So he is more apt to be a little less strict on his kids because they're not there all the time because of that guilty parent syndrome. The time he has with them, he wants it to be good. Right. And so your kids could be like, wait a minute. He doesn't make little Johnny do such and such. Right. Yeah, we've gone through that with chores and such. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which, no, I'll tell you, I am a firm believer. If the stepkid comes every other weekend, no, you should not make them clean the bathroom that they have not been there to use. Right. I think that's a bit much. and But a lot of stepmoms will say, oh, no. They should have chores, too, because my kids do it. Yeah, but they're cleaning up your kids' pee. Right. Now, cleaning up after themselves or helping with dishes, that's a different story. But I know we interviewed this one lady, and she was adamant that the stepkids come clean the bathrooms on the weekends they were there. And you know what? I was that step-parent, and uh, we had we had a lot of conversations about that, and we ended up changing some chores around so that my youngest stepdaughter had less. And for me, that came from a place of my step siblings didn't have to do a lot when I was growing up and it felt really unfair. Now, as we spoke about before that grew up into me, I mean, that turned out into me being a pretty self-sufficient adult. None of them graduated high school. They lived at home for a long time and they struggle in their adult life supporting themselves, you know, but as a kid, it was kind of like, yeah, I do everything and they don't have to do anything. 
And what's funny, as a mom, you feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was that step parent and it did cause friction with my partner and we had to have some talks about that. Yeah. And when y'all talked about it, did you understand where he was coming from? Yes. Um, I, I think that we still had some struggles because in my mind, it kind of went too far the other way. Like, oh, well, they don't do any chores for three months, you know? Right. And and it became a lot of tit for tat, tracking who was doing, whose kids were doing what. Yes. Uh, and when you get into that, it doesn't really feel like you're a team. It feels like you're keeping tabs on each other's kids. And yeah. You know, and then he would argue with me, well, you know, what have your kids done? And it's it's like we have to keep score of everything to sort of prove to each other that each other's kids were doing enough. And yeah, that's not a great dynamic. It doesn't feel good for anybody. No. And here's the thing. You focusing so much on what the stepkids are or are not doing. You're not paying attention to your own kids. Right. You're losing time with your own kids because either you're trying to build relationships with the stepkids or you're worried about, oh, well, they're not doing their chores and I need to make sure they do them or I'm going to tell dad. And I remember sitting at the kitchen table one night and to our listeners, I know y'all were going to think I'm a horrible person, but I'm just being honest. (laughs) I was sitting there and I realized that I sat there and kept waiting for the kids to do something wrong. Mm. So I could point it out. Yeah. And that just shows you what a bad place we were in. I wanted to prove to David that these kids were not angelic like he thought they were. Right. <laughs> I've, I've been there. I think we've both been there, my partner and I. And going back to this sort of loving your own kids differently, I think, too, in blended families that it's much easier to see the issues with your partner's kids than it is with your own. 100% because you don't have those biological love blinders. Yes, exactly. And so we've had to have hard conversations where, you know, he'll say to me, do you not see this dynamic with you and, you know, your daughter? And I'm like, do you not see this dynamic with you and your daughter? Right. It's always tit for tat. Yes, yes. And that's a hard place to to be in it, it's a strain on the the marital relationship it is I know when David's oldest was moving back in we um well they moved in for three months while they were waiting on base housing when he came back from Japan but then when they moved back in this last time I said okay we need to come up with some kind of rules and guidelines mm-hmm. and I'd made a list and it was not easy for me but I had to go through that list and say, would I expect this from my own son? Mm. And I'm telling you, it was not easy because part of me is thinking, I wouldn't have to tell my son this. Right. But I need to tell his son or his son needs to know. And so needless to say, my probably 20 rules came down to two. Mm, interesting. Yep. But I had to look at it from, am I going to expect the same thing from my kid? Right. Because it has bitten me in the butt way too many times <laughs> where I expected something from David's kids when they were 14, 15 years old, but I didn't expect the same thing from my kid. Right. And those are hard pills to swallow, right? Because we all yes. like to think of ourselves as being like a, back to that word, fair person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you don't even realize that you're doing it. I remember one time David told Jackson, you need to get off your butt off the couch and do something. 
And I looked at him and I said, excuse me, you don't talk to your own kids that way. You will not talk to mine that way. And he was just kind of stunned. And he goes, you're right. He didn't even realize it. But he would have never told his kids to get their lazy butt off the couch and do something or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, thankfully, I didn't like flip out completely on him. But I'm like, no, no, no. Mm -mm. You don't talk to my baby like that. Right. I was going to say, have you found yourself doing the opposite where you're not, where you're more lenient to the stepkid than your own? Yeah. 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 Because, and it's like with my mom and my dad, they expected more of me and I expect more of my son. Right. That's like you were talking earlier about kind of what drives the kids. And for me, I didn't need any inspiration to make good grades. I did it because I wanted good grades, but also so my daddy would be proud of me because I knew my daddy was smart, right? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be like my daddy. And But my son, when all the COVID crap happened, he I noticed he had missing assignments on power school. And I'm like, why do you have missing assignments? That teacher, blah, 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 you know. So I was going driving myself crazy trying to make sure that he did his stuff. And I finally said, you know what? His motivation's not grades. He looks at it as a 90's an A. Why do I make, need to make a 100? Right. <laughs> I don't have to study to make a 90. So I said, you know what, Jackson? I can't do this anymore. From now on, you are completely responsible for your grades and your assignments and things like that. But if you make straight A's the end of each semester... I'll give you, it was $500 a year, so 250 bucks each semester. Nice. You know, I never had to worry about another grade. Oh, he found his motivation, huh? <laughs> that kid graduated high school with a 5.18 GPA. Wow, that's awesome. And he's in, been taking college classes his last two years of high school, and he's got a 4.0. Wow. But that's his motivation. Right. Now, my mom and dad could have motivated me with money, I'm sure. But mine was more, I needed that A for myself. Right. And so a lot of times we just have to realize that we are so different. And even with your husband and with David, David didn't expect his kids to make A's because he knew that that's not where they their strengths were. Right. And I remember sitting there one time and I'm like, do you not care if they do good in school? He said, of course I care. He said, but I can't sit here and fight with them every night over homework. Picking your battles. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, they all graduated. Now, I will say they were all in a private school, and Jackson was too. But, you know, his kids were five years older, so their homework, they would give them like three and four hours of homework a night. It was ridiculous. Oh, wow. That is a lot. Yeah. So come time for middle school, we took them all out, and Jackson went to public school, and his the triplets went to high school, public high school. Oh, and they loved it. Did they? Oh, yeah. Yes. A different, they were different like, dynamic. Yeah, they're like, we're going to make straight A's. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. So what's your relate your kids' relationship like? Your bio kids and your stepkids. Your youngest stepkid, I would say, probably mostly because she's there more. Yeah. They're somewhat close. I think, you know, I... My youngest step, 
daughter is 13. And then my biological daughter is 14. So there's that younger sister, older sister thing that I think would be there, even if they weren't step siblings, you know, the younger one wants to do what the older one does. Mm -hmm. Um, They're close enough in age to be close, but also close enough in age to get on each other's nerves. But overall, overall, they're close. They have very different personalities, though, too. So there's Do they go to the same school? No, they go to different schools. So our stepdaughter goes to a school that's like 30, 40 minutes away. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure that's fun when he has them overnight during the week. Yeah. Yeah. He has to get up and drive. So. Yeah. You know, with the expectations thing, too, like. School hasn't necessarily been an issue for us. Chores have been a little bit too, but what we've also struggled with, and I think this happens with a lot of blended families, is the rules and the dynamics that my stepdaughter has at her biological mother's house is different than what we have at our house. And oh, yeah, that can cause friction amongst the kids. One of the big issues has been cell phone usage. So we had, we had purchased our daughter, our daughter's biological stepmom gave her access to all social media channels at the age of 10. She had Instagram, Snapchat. I mean, all of the social medias that you could think of at 10 years old. Wow. And that wasn't a principle or value that we thought was wise for her psychologically or mental health wise for her own safety. Right. You know, so of course then my biological children wanted social media. Well, why mm-hmm. can't I have it? She has it, you know, and you have to explain. I'm not her mom. Yeah, that's not our choice over here. Um, but, you know, when she would come over and bring her phone over and she has access to it, do you do you ban her from social media while she's at her house? our house? Do you take away the phone? You know, those are like tricky things that you have to to think about because that that would feel punitive to to our stepdaughter. Right. And then she would not want to come. Right. But then you also have the biological kids living here with different rules feeling like it's very unfair. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up purchasing her a cell phone and we were able to put parental controls on it. And we used the the bark program to kind of you know scan for inappropriate content and make sure that they were all safe and they had time limits on their phones. Mm -hmm. And then just at the beginning of this year, the biological mom surprised us all by buying her a brand new iPhone, changing her phone number and taking all of the parental control settings off again. So now she has, again, unlimited access to the internet access to any type of content that she wants to look up, mm-hmm. including adult content, no time limits, no restrictions on social media. While my 14-year-old, who obviously still lives here, has very different rules. And it's caused a lot of friction and tension. And it's just come to the point, you know, where I tell my biological daughter, you know, look, I'm I'm not her parent. I'm the bonus parent. And my focus is on you. And this is what I feel is best for you as your mom. And here's why. And it took a while for 
my biological daughter to accept that. I don't know if she still fully accepts it. It might be one of those things that when she gets to be an adult, she understands it better. Yeah. Yeah. But it's less of a friction point. We don't have as many conversations about, you know, well, why does my stepsister get to do this and I don't get to do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But those things that you can't really control, you know, they're really, they're hard because you want to have a certain value set in your own home. But when you have a blended family, that can be really challenging sometimes. Yeah, because 50% of the time they're exposed to something completely opposite. Yep. And and like you said earlier, you don't necessarily want to clamp down on something over here that makes the kid not want to come over here because there's a lot of benefit to her being here and learning different ways of doing things and spending time with us as well. And it's sort of like going back to choosing your battles. Yeah. One thing that a lot of people will say about the, say the phone, my kid doesn't understand why little Susie can be on her phone all the time. I try to say, well, I'm not their mom. I'm your mom. And they're like, the kid just don't understand it. It's Mm -hmm. no different than the neighbor kid. Mm. That's a good point. Except for that kid's in the home. Right. But it's still no different than the neighbor kid. That's true. It feels it feels the same to them though, you know, right. because my my stepdaughter does call me mom when she's here. Oh, she does. And that's not anything. Yeah, that's not anything we've ever forced. That's her own choice. And you refer to her as your daughter. Yeah. 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 So, you know, there's there's sort of that mom-daughter dynamic. Um, but but really, I don't have the same control and oversight authority. Authority. Yeah, that's the better word. Yeah. As a parent. And so that is, that adds another layer of complexity to it, I think. Yeah. I remember one time Jackson had asked me something, how can the brothers do this? And I can't. Well, there's a five year age gap between the triplets and Jackson, number one. Right. But I would say, I'm your mom. I decide what you can and cannot do. David is their dad, he decides what they can and cannot do. And their mom decides what they can and cannot do. He said, their parents going to have a heck of a time when they get older. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like he got it. <laughs> yeah. When they realize that it's out of love and not out of control or right. being mean, the mean parent, then a lot of times they get it. And sometimes it's just as simple as sitting them down and talking to them rather than just because I said so. I hated it when my mom would say that. Oh, yeah, me too. I I try to have discussions and let my children ask me challenging questions, you know, because I don't want them to feel like it's just a just because I said so. There's always a reason behind it, you know, right? Protect you, trying to set you up for success, you know. When you were talking about the mom, you kind of want to go to her and be like, what's wrong with you? Mm hmm. Oh, many times. Yeah. (laughs) You have to be careful that you don't say anything negative about the mom to the stepkid. Oh, and I have. And I had to realize, you know, what? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you want to go, your mom's stupid. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What is she thinking, giving a 10-year-old access to TikTok and any porn she wants to look at? Right. Or eating disorder content. Um, You know, we had an issue where she came over with a waist trainer on. Oh, wow. 
put squeezing herself into a girdle. And, you know, we had to have talks about the safety and the implications of that. So there's been so many times I've wanted to be like, your mom is stupid. What is she doing? Right. And, you know, I, I understand that that only alienates her further from us because that's her mom and, and she sees her mom differently and she loves her mom and I want her to love her mom. And she thinks her mom's cool for letting her have access to this stuff. Yes. Uh, you know, there's, there's the saying that she's the fun mom, Mm -hmm. you know, and of course I want to be seen as a fun mom too, but at the end of the day, I would rather my kids be safe and protected first, even if that makes me not look like the fun mom in their eyes, you know? Yeah. And so I have caught myself, you know, saying things like, why would your mom let that happen? Does she not understand, you know? Yeah. And then understanding that that's, you know, my partner came to me and said, you know, my daughter feels pressure because you talk about her mom and I I don't want her to feel pressure. I want her to feel like this is a safe space. It's a, it's her second home. It's not her dad's house that she just visits. And I don't want the pressure of her coming over feeling like I'm going to say something to about her mom. Right. You know, and I also realized a lot of when I was sort of venting my frustrations is because my partner and I weren't on the same page. And so I'm letting the frustration out towards the kid. And that's not appropriate. Right. Um, not their responsibility and it's not their burden to carry. And you know, so. if we don't say anything about the other bio parent, we can be that safe place for that kid. Right. Because and I want her to be. Right. I want to be. Because she may face a situation where she needs someone to talk to. And I don't know if she would feel comfortable talking to her biological mom, but I want to at least be an option. And I can't be an option if she feels pressure. Or judged. Or judged, yeah. Yeah. Yep. A friend of mine recently, I was talking to her, and she said, you know, you are the one person that I can tell anything to, and you don't judge me. Mm. And I'm like, really? She said, girl, some of my other friends, they don't know half of the stuff about me. (laughs) And I'm like, but that's sad. She said, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. But... You know, I don't want to be that judgmental person. I want to I want to be that shoulder for people. I want to also have people that I can say, look, I screwed up. Right. And that's what we have to be able to do. And I really think as a stepmom that it's helped me that I haven't been judgmental with the kids because they can tell me stuff they don't tell their dad. Mm. Not for me to keep from their dad, but just they don't know how to approach it sometimes. Right. Yeah. I have that with the older, with the adult daughters. Yeah. Also because I'm a woman, you know, and they can talk to me about womanly things, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You can understand all that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, Tiffany, it has been great having you as a guest on our podcast, and I would love to have you back. Oh, well, thank you. I would love to come back and chat sometime. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. Yeah, because we can talk about so much. <laughs> yeah, we could. I feel like we could go on for a couple of hours here. Yeah, because I really do want to talk about the grandparent thing. Oh, yeah. That's a fun one because I'm only 41. So Yeah. Well, I'm not going to say how old I am, but I'm a step-grandparent. But I also truly believe I love these kids 100%. But I feel like when my son has a kid, it's going to be completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And then for me, there's the dynamic of I'm still raising kids as a biological mom. Yes. 
Oh, yeah. I'd love to. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you, Lori. Thank you. Now, as you heard, Tiffany is still close to her stepkids from a previous marriage. So this wasn't her first blend. There are many people that are in their second, third, fourth blend. That goes to show you that even though the first one was hard and didn't work out, these people decided to try again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think if you have a bad first one, um, not first marriage, but first like blended family experience, you probably go, well, that's probably not how it is for everybody. Let me try this again. Mm-hmm. And then your second one, maybe even your third one, you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> This is something's just different here. This yeah. ain't working. <laughs> yes. And by the third one, you're like, what's that nacho crap everybody's talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, and we have to say this, we have a lot of people join the academy that are just now entering blended family relationships. I know. Those people are like super smart. Yeah. <laughs> not that anybody else is not super smart. It's just unlike us, they're not waiting until things are bad to get help. Right. They are being proactive, not reactive. All right, David, anything else you want to say to our listeners? Uh, happy New Year. And remember, it is what you make of it. Yes. Happy New Year to you and yours, from me and mine. Yep. We hope that 2024 is your year to not run out the door. <laughs> 2024. Don't run out the door. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, in all seriousness, folks, if you've been doing the same thing year after year and you've been getting the same results, let's try something different this year. Uh, join yep. the Academy. Just do it for 30 days. If it's, yep. if it's not working for you, you actually put in the work. It's not working for you. Then at least you can say you tried. Right. And I would say 60 days. And the only reason I say 60 days is because I really want people to do the boot camp challenge, which is 30 days, and the change your stinking thinking. Because both of those challenges, if you do them and put the work in, are life-changing. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that because I created them. Look at the testimonies. Yeah, they are. They are really good. Um, I do want to say, though, it's just like a gym membership. You can't just buy it and get in shape. Yep, because I'm proof of that. (laughs) I don't even buy them because I know better. So if you're going to get in there, get in there and do the work. Yep. Dedicate 15 minutes a day to it. That's it. Yeah. And for those people who say, oh, I joined and I just didn't have time to work on it. I say cockamamie to you. Okay. You have time. You choose to not prioritize that. Everybody has the same 24 hours in a day. Don't get mad at me because I'm pointing out the fact that you're making excuses. I don't care if it's not your kids academy or, or if it's working on your relationship in another way. You have the time if you make it a priority. I guarantee you, if something bad happened in your life today and you had to go see a doctor every single day for a week or you'd die, guess what? You'd find time to do it. Well, not just that, but either you spend time now working on your relationship or you spend time later going to a divorce attorney. Yeah. Either way, you're going to pay. Yeah. Your relationship deserves 15 minutes a day. Yeah. Good thing about it is if you fix it, you have a lot less baggage to carry around. And not just your relationship, but you. Mm -hmm. This is self-care, too. A lot of it. A lot of it. There's so much that Lori and I run into nowadays that would probably destroy a lot of marriages. 
And we are able to have these conversations now and we're able to get through things with so much more ease. And we are, and we're able to have these tough conversations where there's not arguing, there's not any feeling that she's attacking me or my kids or and it's not tit we, for tat anymore. No, most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and it's certainly not that we have some perfect marriage and we never get mad at each other and we never have off days. And no, that's, that's everybody's relationship. The difference is we know how to put the proper emotional weight on the things that happen. And we're able to understand that she and I both are on the same team and we're wanting to go to the same places and we have the same goals overall. We just need to, to get through whatever challenges come our way and having the tools to do that gives us the ability to do that without feeling like we're fighting each other all the time. That's right. Team. Team Nacho. Team Lovid. <laughs> Loda. <laughs> Dairy. <laughs> Dolo. Davari. Devori. Oh, okay, we're off the chain. <laughs> Have a happy new year, folks. And we'll see you again next year, which will only be in a few days. <laughs> Join us again next week. And remember, life is good. When you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.